Hello, and thanks for joining us today for our last video session of the Spirit of Adoption Bible Study. I've been so grateful for this tool during these last few months of quarantine and this strange season. Don't forget that you can get the participant notes for this video as well as the other ones um, on the website. And then also keep an eye out today on today's lesson um, for an invitation to a Zoom call that we will be hosting next Saturday. That's May 9th. And this is just a way for us to wrap up our time together. Um, we've planned it to hear from some of the women that have participated in the study and also a time to pray together. So today, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll jump into our last lesson. Father, we take a moment now to sit before you, to stop fighting and striving against what hasn't met our expectations, and to let what is currently going on in our hearts and in our lives just sit before you. You are sovereign over us. You are a good Father, and you use the context of our individual lives to meet with us, and to minister to us, and to grow us. Thank you that you are not in a hurry. A bruised reed you do not crush. You know exactly how to bring us to health and wholeness. And you are our place to belong, our place to be planted. I pray for the women that have participated in this study, that you will fill them with a fresh deposit of your spirit. We want so much more of you. I pray you would continue to romance us and to draw us deeper into you. I pray that we would learn how to better lean on you and draw from you. I pray that we would gain clarity on your missions for each of us. And Father, I pray that you yourself will be our great reward. When we're weary, when we're spent, when we've sown all of the seed that you've given us, we always get to receive you as our treasure. No matter where we are at in life, our greatest joy is to be with you in it, loving and listening and spending life close to you. Amen. Okay. So here we are at in our last session. We've covered our need for intimacy with God our Father and his provision for it. We've covered some of the differences between spiritual orphans and adopted children of God. During our last video, we covered how God has already done so much work to bring intimacy, to, to build intimacy with us. And in today's video, we're going to talk about how we can work to maintain closeness with Him um, throughout all the different seasons and contexts of our lives. Or, in other words, we could also say that today's lesson is about learning how to yield more and more to that spirit of adoption that we talked about in the first session. Um, one of my sisters has talked about for several years this truth, it's a universal truth, um, but the way she says it is, if you're not whitening, then you're yellowing. This specific phrase refers to the color of your teeth. So <laughs> dental experts will say that if you are not specifically doing something to 
keep stains off of your teeth to whiten them with like a toothpaste or gel or something, then your teeth are actively yellowing. So this concept is just another way of saying that we are not static or neutral. We are either moving in the direction of one thing or we are moving in the direction of another thing. We can't just stay in the middle not doing either. So this concept applies to so many different areas of our life and so many different spiritual areas of our life. And it applies to this concept that we've been covering for the last seven weeks together of living closely and intimately with the Father. As we talked about last week, we leak, we sin, we live in the world. We are accused day and night by the enemy and distance grows between us and God unless we are actively drawing close to him. We walk in this world where we don't walk face to face with him like Adam and Eve. Um, And so there are things happening to us. And if we are not responding to him and for ourselves digging and talking about our emotions with him and bringing our attention back to him, distance grows. Don't get me wrong. Because of what Jesus has done, we will never be separated fully from the Father. We will never experience the agony that Jesus did when the Father turned his face away while he was on the cross. But so many other things scramble for our attention here in the world. So many other things easily build themselves up into idols to take away from God. And we don't yet walk face to face with God, like I said. So in another real way, we can say that if we are not drawing drawing close to him in our daily lives, we are letting more distance in. More distance that is unnecessary. So salvation means that God places himself near to us and he leans across the distance. He closes the distance. But we too are called to lean into him and to close the distance. God is in charge of our many different seasons in life. I'm talking spiritual seasons here, although he's in charge of the weather as well. So seasons of loss and grief, harvest, of barren winter, we've talked about that one before, of new spring life, seasons of walking through the wilderness, seasons in the promised land, seasons doing the hard manual labor of tilling the ground, And God uses the very context of our lives to interact with us and to train our hands and our hearts for loving others, to train us um, for waging spiritual battle against evil. Uh, He uses our seasons to prune us of things that we need to let go of so that we can grow more. He uses our seasons to help us die to ourselves. And also he uses our seasons to uh, to raise us up to new life with him. However, at the very places and during the very seasons where God is working all of these things, the enemy is working. And the enemy is working to lie to us about who God really is, to deceive us, to tempt us to pity ourselves, to tempt us to become bitter against God, to tempt us to not forgive the people in our lives that have hurt us to make us miss out on the extravagant offerings of God, to rely on ourselves alone, to go after lesser comforts. Although it looks different for each of us, we each um, 
have gone through, have experienced, or we each need some of the same things. We go through disappointment and fear and hurt and boredom. Rest. We need rest. We need comfort. We sin. We need discipline. We go through or experience happiness and excitement. We each are in certain relationships and we each have the same old, same old daily mundane tasks that are required of us. Both spiritual orphans and adopted children of God experience these same things. They are universal. So the content of our lives can be used to distance our hearts from God. Or that same very content can be used for us to draw nearer to Him. So the same things that can effectively kill our intimacy and our close relationship with Him can also be the things that grow and multiply our intimacy with Him. If we take on these things with Him, it means that the things that you don't have power to change can be the very footholds you use to crawl out of your pit. Taken on with Him, the very mountain that is in your way will be your ladder to victory and purpose and hope. And the very brokenness in your heart that hinders you will be transformed into something new and glorious that adds to you and no longer takes away. So this is good news because the very thing that we just cannot overcome in our own power that causes us so much grief and pain is the very thing that isn't going to just get us back to normal with God, but is actually going to deepen that relationship and enrich our lives and make things better. God can do all of this. And he loves to do it. It's one of the many mysterious treasures in his kingdom. How we're not just restored to where we were before, but restoration in God's kingdom means that we get two times, three times what we had before. So it's a distraction of the enemy sometimes to make you fixate on changing a circumstance in your life so that you can fix everything. While God might be trying to change you instead in the midst of that circumstance. Our self-preservation is so hard to lay down. And before we know it, it's up again and fighting the next season. For me, at almost every turn of season, it takes me so long to catch on. I think almost the same thoughts every time. For weeks at the beginning of each new season. Thoughts like, something isn't working. I'm really tired. I don't think I'm doing a very good job. I'm not clear on what God wants me to do. I feel a bit empty. I have a lot of hopes and dreams about how to walk through this, but I can't seem to achieve any of them yet. I can't pinpoint where all of my emotions of frustration and dryness are coming from. And then finally, I start to realize, by God's grace, that He is transplanting me into a new season. And so what worked for me before has now changed. What I was called to before has shifted. And when I finally get to this realization, it brings so much relief. It's okay that I don't yet know what to do. It's a new thing. And the Holy Spirit himself can enable me to live well here in this new season, to live submitted to God, to live close to him, to serve him on mission in this new place, just like in all the rest of the seasons that I've gone through before. 
What I need to do at that point is just wait on him to show me what to do. If you want to talk about being transplanted into a new season, you go no further than the one we've all landed into recently. The coronavirus and this quarantine has landed us in a brand new season, something we've never gone through before, something that takes away uh, physical touch and being in person with the people that we love, something that we might have taken for granted. And so throughout these last few months, I think we've all been at times disillusioned, grieving, frustrated, confused, fearful, unsure of how to do this, giving up our previous expectations and plans for this time. And we've all been in some uncomfortableness or pain as we've longed for that sense of belonging that we had before we were just blindsided by this disease and its repercussions. I was reading Beth Moore's book, Chasing Vines, this week. And at one point, she said, true belonging is found only in the sovereign palm of God. There alone we find our place, even amid the seasons of moving, planting, uprooting, and replanting. It's only when we find our place in Him that we find rest. There we find space to spread out and grow, and it relieves our other loves of a burden too big to carry and there we can bear mysterious fruit. Personally, I feel incredibly displaced after going through an extended season of transition, probably for about the last year. But in God, as Beth Moore is saying, I have room to spread out and to sow my seed and to put down roots without worrying about where I'm going to be in another year. Because I know that I am secure in his hand, no matter where he's moving me around to, I can do, as Colossians says, whatever I do from the heart, as something done for the Lord and not for people. So let me remind us here, all of us, me included, that the point of this is not to go through the seasons of our life perfectly. We really won't be able to. We won't be always perfectly in tune with the Spirit or aware right before He moves us into a new season. It wouldn't actually make us have a better relationship with God if we never sinned against Him or did anything wrong or never received correction. Because of the way God works and redeems, we already have the most perfect relationship with Him that we can have. By His grace, the areas where we had learning curves or where we got things wrong have actually deepened our intimacy with Him and enriched our story and our relationship. The point of this is to learn and to grow, to learn better how to listen, how to let Him in deeper, how to walk through forgiveness and boredom and fear and rest, comfort, fun and enjoyment, sin, discipline, hurt, disappointment, to walk through all of these things with him instead of trying to deal with these things on our own. So the point is not to get an A at the end of the process, but the point is 
literally in the nitty gritty middle of the process when you're not sure what he wants from you and you're not even sure what season you've landed in and you're not sure what to do about it and you feel like something might be off in you but you don't even know that yet that is the point that's the mud and the dirt that we sink our hands into and that we're so grateful that God is a part of that and that God is there in that and at that point we want to get quicker and quicker at just turning our eyes to him it's not going to be an immediate fix it's the process that is growing us it's the process and the nitty-gritty that actually gets the work done it's not doing the work perfectly so I'm going to go through that list that I just listed off of different things that we experience or need in our life. It's about nine or ten things. And I'm going to just have a few notes for each of these things about how we can better go through these things with him, close to him, instead of letting them create distance. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is hurt and forgiveness. Forgiveness between you and God deepens the relationship and trust. We think we've ruined it because of our sin. But a relationship with forgiveness is deeper than a relationship without forgiveness. So forgiveness between you and another person also deepens the relationship and the trust. Often, what keeps us from wanting to fully forgive another human Uh, like in a marriage or in a friendship, is that we cannot get over our previous expectations for how well-off that relationship would be and how good that person would treat us. When we get hurt and we need to forgive, we get stuck on the fact that we had wanted that other person to treat us differently. It just isn't what we wanted. But forgiveness is our opportunity to grow and deepen the relationship, to make it deep and enriched and strong like we had wanted it to be in the first place. After all, as Elizabeth Elliot reminds us in her book, Let Me Be a Woman, we married sinners. We had children that are sinners. We are friends and children of sinners. We are sinners. And God's way of dealing with that sin now that Jesus has made the full atonement is repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness is the best way, not just an option, but the best way towards healing and shalom, as my dad talked about this last Sunday. Peace. Everything made right. Now I'd like to spend a few moments talking about boredom. Merriam-Webster defines boredom as the state of being weary and restless through lack of interest. Boredom is not as benign sometimes as we think it is. What do we do when we are weary or just not interested in our lives and what God has called us to? This is a sign that we are not clear with God on what he has given us to do. And we can pray and ask God to open our eyes. I am currently in the process of potty training one of my children. And during the first few days, I took an extreme approach and she and I spent a lot of intense time together. 
I didn't cook. I didn't do much cleaning. I didn't go on my phone. I didn't read a book. I didn't get distracted. Um, I got myself ready only if I could do that before she woke up. And she was staying up pretty late till like 10 or 10.30 a lot of nights, um, just trying to go potty. <laughs> so we were just together from like 6.30 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Um, and we were playing and eating together as I just watched her for signs of going to the bathroom that I would most likely need to wipe up from the floor afterwards. And mostly, I didn't feel that frustrated. I just felt bored. I felt a bit of shame from feeling bored. I wanted to enjoy our time together. She's my kid. But as the days wore on, she was getting more and more frustrated with the spiritual ramifications of me requiring her to listen to her body and have control over where and when she did certain functions. So she was no longer really enjoying being with me in that sort of intense togetherness. And I was just wanting to do something other than strain my ears and eyes for drips on the floor. <laughs> but as I prayed through the days, processed with my husband and my sisters, um, God showed up for me. He told me not to stop first of all, with her, that I should keep going. And I grew over time to learn more about my daughter in those few days than I ever have before. She's growing up, and even though she cannot communicate with me like an older child or like an adult, there are things about her heart and her discernment and who she is and what she wants. Um, and God was giving me wisdom and discernment to hear those things as I just spent time with her. So I was learning to understand her and her desires. God was showing me that my heart too doesn't want to obey him and I don't want to be told to listen to my body sometimes or to only do certain things in certain rooms. <laughs> um, after a few days of frustration, my daughter and I started praying certain prayers together that God would turn both of our hearts and help us to want to obey and that he would give us energy and wisdom to help each other. And despite her not really caring if she made it to the toilet in time, she never said no. She always wanted to pray with me. And our relationship and love and enjoyment of each other grew. It wasn't a fairy tale where she just stopped having potty accidents. But God continued to use this experience to deepen our relationship with each other. And he turned my boredom into a really rich spiritual and relational experience for our whole family. Sometimes our boredom is a sign that we need to ask God what we should be giving ourselves to. Sometimes it's a sign that we're overstimulated in our lives and may need to give something up. Sometimes like for me, it's a sign that something deeper is going on underneath the surface in the spiritual realm. And if we push through and quiet ourselves, we'll get to discover the deeper treasure that is waiting for us. Let's talk about fear. I think we covered a lot of fear last week, so this is going to be very short. Just remember that there are specific and individual reasons why we don't have to fear. 
and they are all wrapped up in the personhood of God. Only he can break the stronghold that fear has over us. We are not required or equipped to fight that battle on our own. Be specific and honest with him. And if you don't know specifically what you're fearing, then ask him to show you. Because he has specific answers for you. Instead of just feeling like, I shouldn't be afraid. Rest. We have a great need for rest, for his rest. I find that I often settle for lesser rests that never leave me quite refreshed. We have a need to rest from our own striving and relying on ourselves. We have a need to enjoy God and the blessings he gives. We have a need to rest with the ones that we love. We have a need to rest from spiritual battle. We have a need to rest from work and labor. We have a need to rest and to remember that we are not in control. We have a need to rest in God. But I really want to also rest with God. To invite Him into my rest. um, To allow Him to turn it into something that actually refreshes and redirects and refills and reorients, recalibrates me. After all, like I said, if I am not receiving his divine rest, I will inevitably seek after lesser ones. Comfort. This is probably the one that I am the worst at, to be honest. I do not think that all comforts that come from earth are inherently bad. I do not think that coffee or my bed or a lit candle, a warm blanket, watching a little TV, holding someone's hand, reading a book, eating a dessert, or taking a nap are bad. I don't think I could if I tried. But I don't want to indulge in comforts because I think I deserve them, because I think I need them and have to have them, because I just mindlessly choose and fall into them. God can send and use all sorts of comforts to bless us and help us and encourage us. But I want to be mindful that he is the giver of all good things. I want to enjoy them with him, be comforted by him, and not be comforted by all these things because I'm afraid that he's mad at me, because I'm running from him, or because I can't hear his voice, so I'm going to go eat a dessert. I want to be sure in his affection for me, and out of that, be comforted by all that comforts. Fun and enjoyment. God is fun. He is enjoyable, and he gives fun and enjoyment. Similar to comfort, not all fun and enjoyable things here on earth are inherently bad. In fact, I think very few of them are. Some theologians argue that sin is the boring one. You can only ever be self-interested and self-serving in sin. Whereas life with God is adventurous, varied, fun, and exciting. Because only He can open us up to the depth of eternity, the full spectrum of relationships, the joy of serving others, the relief of real and true rest after good, pure, hard work doing something meaningful. The peace that comes from being known and cared for and loved in totality. 
There are seasons and moments that are just plain fun when we follow him. And Ecclesiastes says that it is a gift from God to enjoy the gifts that he gives. So we need his help to just enjoy things. I want to be good at enjoying what he gives. Delighting and celebrating, enjoying. God too likes to enjoy things. You've heard other people write books about this topic or speak on this topic. God is not always serious or solemn or demanding or tirelessly working. He enjoys what he does. He enjoys the people. He enjoys it. And I want to get better at enjoying it with him. Sin. Obviously, nobody sins with God. It is something that we do on our own, out of our own. But I find that sin is the thing that the enemy uses to keep me from God for longer than any of these other things. Something is still off in my head. Something in me still believes that I should be doing this perfectly. And after I sin, specifically in an area that God has already been talking to me about, I can sense that I am hesitant to turn back to God because whatever we were doing feels ruined by what my flesh has done. I may not be able to be sinless this side of heaven, but I want to get quicker and quicker at letting God minister to me, cleanse me, and discipline me, and not hesitate to come to Him even when I've royally screwed up. The times that He does give me grace to come to Him even while I'm in an argument with someone or upset with someone, even when I know I'm in the wrong but haven't yet calmed down. These times are some of the most painful at first, but then some of the sweetest that I've had with him. They are painful because, yes, I am out of alignment with him and scared of him and hesitant, but they are the sweetest because he holds no condemnation for me and loves me right there in that broken place. Only God can love us so well in our brokenness without being unhealthy or unhealthily affected by our flesh. It really is his kindness to me and to the other person that leads me to repentance in that moment. After sin often comes discipline. We've already talked about discipline several times throughout this study. My only other thing that I want to add is something God told me a few months back. He said, you want healing, but you don't want discipline. Healing seems fun and light and perfect and flowery and sunshiny. And yet discipline seems hard and mean and scary. But boy, does that help me submit to his rod and staff. His rod and his staff, his discipline is my healing. Disappointment. This one seems a lot scarier to me now, and it will to you too, if you've ever done one of my mom's Bible studies where she goes through the deadly D's, disappointment, discouragement, doubt, and despair. They are road signs along a road that goes to despair. Disappointment is nothing to laugh at or push under the rug, but it does still happen to us. The point is to let God minister to us when it happens so that it does not fester and grow so that we can be made whole. When we were growing up, my mom said to us a lot, you're allowed to be disappointed. 
but you also made it clear that it was up to us how we were to handle our disappointment. How many times now do we disobey the Father or throw a bit of a tantrum or spend a few days numbing ourselves while having a bad attitude simply because something happened that just wasn't what we wanted? It's okay to say to him, this just isn't what I want. In fact, this clears a lot of the other unnecessary coping mechanisms that keep us from him. Just be honest with him. He can take it. Even when I embarrassingly indulge in a few days of a bad attitude, I'm always surprised once I just say to him, that just wasn't what I wanted, and how quickly he enables me to say, not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes I genuinely want to give up my old expectations and to jump on board with him, but I don't know how to get on that foot. I can't see the new vision, the better way things are happening. If I'm honest with God, he helps me to yield to his reality and purposes, to let go of what I wanted previously, and to see the new, brighter thing that he is doing. And I can even get excited about his plans and his will more than I was about whatever I wanted before. So that's your list for today. It's not all-inclusive as far as the things that we experience or go through in life, but it's a few of the most common. And it's some of the big things that are in my rhythms of life that I want to do with God instead of doing apart from Him for a while, running from Him, or um, just do mindlessly. So as we work toward intimacy with the Father and receiving all that He is, He opens us up. His comprehensive care of us enlarges us. He increases our capacity. He shields us. He refills our cups. And we can go with Him to the people placed around us, secure in His word, in His promises, and in His power to do it. Only truly receiving the Father in His largeness and extravagance can enable us to be generous and brave and vulnerable with the people around us, to serve them, to honor them, to love them. Who God is and how He relates to me means my marriage can thrive, my kids can flourish, my friends can be encouraged by me, and those who don't yet know Him will actually want to. The full circle of our topic of study comes when we are generous and appropriately intimate with other people because we are living out of God's generosity and intimacy with us. Freely we have received. Now freely give. That is all I have at this point. I am so grateful that you have joined with us and I pray that this has been of some encouragement to you over the last few months. And I can't wait till I can see some of you in person.